Hello listeners, Kathy Lawless, Life Story Curator, bringing you the podcast series, How Did I Get Here? A series of interviews designed for people just starting out in their careers, people in transition or possibly feeling stuck, and giving them access to the stories of people who have been there, done that, so that they might be inspired with some new ideas, or maybe just comforted knowing they are not alone, that everybody starts somewhere and everybody goes through times of transition and times when they feel stuck. Today, I'm very excited to be interviewing Michelle McClade, and she is the founder and CEO of Evolutionalized Media. So welcome, Michelle. Thank you so much for having me, Kathy. And Michelle and I met through a mutual friend, and she is also a fellow podcaster, so I'm sure we're going to get into that at some point. But Michelle, before we get into what you're doing today and how you got here, uh, let's jump into the icebreaker questions, which are, I think they're softballs, but I guess they do go kind of (laughs) deep. But uh, tell us where you grew up, uh, how many siblings you had, where you are in the birth order, and how you think that might have shaped you as an adult. I grew up in Minnesota, and I am one of two children. I have a younger brother, so I'm the first in birth order. And my brother is four years younger than me. Oh, okay. And you were in the Midwest there. And what did you do for activities? Were you into music or sports or dance or? Oh, that's a really interesting question. It evolved over time, of course. I remember, you know, I wasn't like immediately, um, in something. That wasn't really how I grew up. I mean, I grew up playing at the park, I think like most children at that time in the city. And so, you know, my parents would sign us up for something like T-ball at, at the, at the local park. Or I remember at one point when I was younger, my parents got me into gymnastics because I was a little bit klutzy. I'll let you know that that never went away. (laughs) Um, But eventually... (laughs) Give you some balance, maybe. uh... (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, Eventually, I would say I fell into a few things that, that stuck around consistently. One of those things being music. So um, I began playing flute when I was in fourth grade, and that stayed with me until well after college. And... Let's see. I I was in yeah, I was in softball. I guess that T-ball stuck because I ended up playing softball in the summer months uh for a long while until those high school years hit and there were just some conflicts with with that. And honestly, I was never a competitive sports type of person. Were you in it more for the social? I think so, and something to do in the summers, right? It started in the summer and then eventually um, when school started, I was involved in other activities. I was always in music and I was into the arts eventually, like, um, I was, you know, did high school plays, was in speech, math team, cheerleading, all that good sort of stuff. Wow. Lots of, lots of activities then. Yeah. 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 And were you close with your brother? I know four years is pretty big gap, especially when you're, you know, 
uh, less than 10, right? Because you probably didn't want anything to do with him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you got it. I, I don't remember ever thinking, hey, I don't want anything to do with him. But I, I, I do acknowledge that I remember thinking, hey, you're kind of a pain. Like, you know, I'm in junior high, you're not. Now I'm in high school and you're not, right? Like, so there was just enough of a gap there where I felt like we were at different stages of life. And certainly I didn't want to be the one to babysit him when I wanted to be out with my friends. So a little bit um, of that sort of uh, tension there or thought process. And so I wouldn't say that we were ever close. By the time he was really coming into his own, I was off to college. But, you know, that is completely transformed now in our adult years, which I'm really thankful for. Yeah, that's I'm, I'm very close with my sisters as well. My uh family, we have three girls in three years, and my sisters are born on the same day, exactly three years wow. apart. My older sister always said that the younger sister ruined her third year birthday. Yeah. <laughs> but now we are all super close. And so it is, it is so cool to, you know, kind of go through those growing up stages. And then finally, as adults, then recognize the value and how important family is and relationships. So oh, cool. completely. Well, we're going to shift gears just a little bit because we got to get into your story. Uh, so on the, I always like to ask on the fun meter scale of one to five, one being couch potato and five being life of the party, where do you put yourself? <laughs> okay. Well, I definitely know right away. I'm not the one or the five. I don't know. <laughs> I would say <laughs> life of the party. Uh, I've had my moments, but I'm going to put myself right in the middle right in the middle the three okay yeah <laughs> cool and then uh different meter the risk meter but same scale one to five where would you put yourself you know that's interesting too I would say you're catching me at a phase of my life where I'm feeling like a five I definitely did not start there and it's been an evolutionary process in terms of taking risk but uh you're, you're catching me at a time where I really feel like I'd just jump all in and go for it. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's interesting. I love those two questions because they really play out as we start getting into your story and hear your history and how you got to where you are. And you're absolutely not the first to, um, to say that same thing that at different points in my life, I've been a five different points of one. It really depends. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you for sharing those things. So uh, before we get into how did I get here, tell us what it means to be the founder and CEO of Evolutionalized Media. What is a day yeah. in the life? Of you? Yeah, that's a, that's a fun question. So I've been certainly on a journey to get here, and one of the things that is in my heart is the importance of speaking your own truth and amplifying your voice. Uh, and I think that's probably at the heart of your show too, Kathy, which is, it's, you know, we all have something unique and different to offer. And so podcasting has been a love of mine since probably 2015 when I somewhat fell into it. And as I've continued to iterate that, I've really started to hone in on the importance of helping others find their way to this medium. And that's what Evolutionized Media is. It's a podcast network. It's a boutique network focused on 
those individuals who have a very authentic voice to put out into this world, but might be a little bit um, unsure or timid in how to amplify it. And that's where evolutionized media comes in. Yeah. I love that amplification that you're describing, you know, because many times when I was in corporate and I was in leadership development classes, you know, there was comments about number one, finding your voice uh, and then expressing your voice, but you're going even further and saying amplify your voice. Yeah. I think that, you know, this will, this goes to part of my story. I, if you look at any content I've put out there, you know, even in the last five years, you would never guess that I was a very shy young woman, really afraid to even speak up in most cases. And it's been quite a journey to have the courage to really say what I think without caring what other people say. And so I'm really tuned in to, you know, it's pretty, pretty um, easy, you know, not, not, it sounds pretty simple, we'll say to create a podcast these days, I don't want to like make it out as easy, but there's not as many barriers, let's say as to having gotten to radio or something, you know, years and years ago. But I find that it's one thing to just show up and and have a, a nice high level conversation. And it's another thing to really get to the heart of the matter. And so I like to believe that I lead and model getting to the heart of the matter for, you know, not just for my show, but for the other podcasters in the network. Wow. I'm writing this down. I, that, you know, you really nailed something there in terms of getting to the heart of the matter. Cause you're right. There is having a conversation, but then there's getting to a deeper level of it. Yeah. I mean, there's telling your story and then telling your story with your whole heart. Mm, yeah. And back to when you said you were shy and getting to a point when you could express yourself when you didn't care what others thought. Mm-hmm. I would put myself in that same boat. I think I was very censored, uh, reserved with my expression of opinions, ideas, etc. cetera, uh, especially in a large group setting. So yeah. do you find that this is, um, do you work more with women or with men? Is this more of a gender thing? Cause I know in women's studies, they, they talk a lot about, you know, finding your voice. Yeah. You know, because of the way I've curated my current podcast, I interview women, women at, in C-suite levels. And because my network is a lot of women, but it's not just women. I think that this shows up for women and men. It just gets expressed a little bit differently. Yeah, totally. That, that makes sense. That makes sense. And then it also expressing yourself, I, uh, as I've done more work in this, study around, uh, you know, self-expression is, uh, you know, I could express myself around ideas around work and things that were related to the business, but expressing my own opinions or um, feelings was also then another level that needed to come about. So there's kind yeah. of, two parts of that, which is talking about things that are not that emotional versus talking about things when you get into a high stress or an emotional charge uh, situation. 
Yeah, very well said. And I, I would say men and women have struggle in that area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because sometimes you can either be over emotional and over <laughs> or over angry or, yeah. you know, you know, withdrawn. And, you know, as soon as something gets a, a little tense, then you just go the other way. So, right. So, Michelle, is this what you uh, always wanted to be and do when you were a young person? Let's let's take you back to the seventh grade. <laughs> <laughs> what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh my gosh. You know, I, I'm not sure if I knew at seventh grade, I, I do believe that at one phase, I really like to be the teacher, you know, <laughs> when you're playing make-believe, I always liked to be the teacher, but I don't remember thinking in seventh grade specifically that I wanted to be a teacher. I do remember thinking I want to go out and see the world. I want to get out of not just Minnesota, but I want to go and experience other places. Ah, so you didn't necessarily know exactly what the career looked like, but you knew you needed to get out and wanted to get out and explore. Yeah. I I can share with you, by the time I was in high school, I was very good with math and sciences. And I remember thinking, because there were career days and you could go visit other businesses. So I remember thinking, you know, engineering would be a great career for me. So I had the opportunity to go and visit, visit an engineering firm. And as you would expect an engineering firm to look, there were a lot of gentlemen in there. It was very quiet <laughs> and not a lot of action going on. And you'd think that that would be a good match for my personality, but I thought, oh, hell no. Oh, hell no. I can't do this. <laughs> Interesting. So it it sent me into a uh, a path into university where I wasn't quite sure what I was going to do. So I put down on the form psychology, which I think a lot of people put down, and I just kind of figured it out over my time there. Well, that's great that you had that career day. I I sure wish I'd had something like that. Back when I was in high school, I remember one, I think it was a college day. We could, um, they had colleges come to our high school and we could, you know, talk to the different schools, or at least that's what I thought was there was colleges. Maybe it was careers, but until you see it firsthand though, I don't think you really get a sense. Like you actually got to walk in an engineering firm. So that's very different than having an engineer standing there talking to you about, oh, here's the projects that we work on. And And, you know, here's the cool stuff that we do. Yeah. Which might have taken you in a different direction. Absolutely. So how did you figure it out through college then? Did you have some classes or a teacher or an event that really pushed you one way? No, honestly. So I worked in a medium-sized business from the time I was 14. I, I did everything there. I, you know, they basically hired me on my days off, on my summers. I did everything from, you know, make photocopies to sit at the reception desk to inventory accounts receivable. I mean, I like moved around and did whatever they needed to do. So it was very comfortable in an office and work environment. And I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do, but I felt like going into 
business, right? I didn't even know what that meant, but having some sort of business type degree would be a great idea. Now, I'm not even sure if there was a business degree at the university I was at, but I was in a, um, eventually I shifted over to, which makes a lot of sense from psychology to international business because it was political science. It was global. These things were aligned to what I was thinking for myself. And I thought, you know what, I want to get into a company and I want to create opportunities to go international. And so I, um, got introduced to some economics courses through that and said, hey, you know what, I'm going to finish the international business and an econ degree. That's going to, you know, wrap things up solid for me. And I'm going to get a great job at a global company. And we'll see what the world delivers after that. That sounds like a good plan. Did did it work? (laughs) Yeah, it worked. (laughs) Except for... I remember, I don't know if I've told anybody this, (laughs) there was something, and I do remember this, and this is part of an interesting journey for me. There was something in me by the time I was graduating and I did it in record time. I did it in three and a half years. And there was something in me that was like, you know, you should have went into the, you know, into medicine. You should have went into something with the, that human element. And I, I remember thinking maybe physical therapy, something like that. I was really into that sort of thing. Cause I would, I had had health struggles through college and I just ignored that little voice and I just kept going. Oh, so this, you're drawn to the psychology and which is more on this, you know, people study kind of things. Yeah. Then um, the health thing started to creep in a little bit more, nagging you, going, "Hey, maybe you should pay attention to this." <laughs> yeah, maybe the people thing is for you, Michelle. Yeah, yeah. So, did you end up traveling internationally then? Well, I worked for, I did build my career for uh, a global company out of college. I didn't end up taking any sort of role with them globally because it was in telecom. And eventually over the years, if you remember, telecom crashed. Uh, I was out in Denver at the time. And um, and so that created a new trajectory for me in my career. Ah, so the crash is what created the new trajectory. Then did you get laid off or? Yep, yep. I, I was part of a reduction in force, had just moved from finance. So I started my career in finance. And was courted by sales management to take a role in sales. So that was one of the big pivots that also changed the trajectory because it created opportunity for me to move around the United States and take jobs in different parts of the country. Not quite global, but close (laughs) to a, to a young lady that, that seemed pretty big. So yeah, you're also just starting out still. So, I mean, you know, you're working for a global company, you know, that it probably could lead there eventually, but it all starts with some t- sort of, you know, role that's, that's bigger right. than where you were. Yep. And I worked well, when I was in finance, I worked with um, uh, management um, from all over the world. So I was close. Uh, so I took a business, you know, business development role. I moved out of Minnesota and uh, was part of a reduction in force uh, and 
grappled around a little bit, took the opportunity to explore health and wellness more. I completed a certification in massage therapy. I didn't do much with that and eventually found a job back in, you know, the sales arena, uh, but just in a different industry and ended up uh, building a career with them and, and moving again out to the East Coast. So I'm, I'm interested in this, that then you got another sales role because it seems like that wasn't kind of your personality of sales. <laughs> you know, this is, this is the interesting part of what I believe we see as strengths and weaknesses are really just um, the kind of the opportunity and then the dark side of our personality traits. I don't think that there's really strengths and weaknesses because if you think about it, I was a very quiet, quiet, maybe non-expressive, you know, not super verbal type of individual. So, I mean, going into finance, looking at spreadsheets, pulling all-nighters would have seemed like a match, but I really had a knack for people because all of the time I wasn't saying much, I was watching. Mm, the observer. Yeah. And so I really had a knack for reading people and I had spent all the years, I mean, since I was 14 in a business environment, so I definitely knew how to conduct myself. And I had a certain level of professional acumen that I would say a lot of people didn't at, at that time, at that stage of their career. Okay. So all those things then translated into sales was a, a good fit. I mean, I knew business. I understood business from a lot of different departments. I had, um, a, you know, a degree that supported that in some way, shape, or form. I knew numbers. I mean, business is numbers, and I knew how to read people, and I knew how to talk to people at people at all different levels, and so that served me really well in in um, in a sales type of role. Yeah. So, talk a little bit about being laid off. Oh my was gosh. that devastating for you at the time or were you, you know, young enough and just starting, you're like, well, this just happens. No big deal. Oh my gosh. No, this was devastating. I mean, I didn't know anybody who had been laid off. I was, boy, I'm going to guess 26-ish. So I had basically had a, a really great trajectory coming out of college, was building a finance career, took a major pivot major, like out of left field to take a sales role in a new state. I was relocated across the country, excited, you know, promotion, my boyfriend moved with me. And I mean, literally within months, within months, um, I was laid off and it was a really, you know, at, at that time I had a great mindset in the sense that I didn't have a lot of attachments, right? No kids, you know, no yep. responsibility, not no huge responsibilities mm -hmm. that come with, you know, more years of life. And I certainly had a nice chunk of money to figure it out, but I had just made a career change. And so I was really confused about, would I be able to get another sales role? Did I have enough experience? Is the market going down? Um, you know, all of those kind of questions. And I think that it hurt my ego more than anything else. 
Yeah. I was, well, I mean, I was a high performer, you know, <laughs> like stacking up the accolades, you know? <laughs> well, and, it, and it's hard. It's, it's hard not to take it personal. And yet then if you're, when you're on the finance side, you know, it's just a series of numbers and it's yeah. a based on numbers. And, but it does seem odd to me when companies do that, where they invest in someone and they relocate them. And then very quickly, it's like, wait a minute, you just spent all that money <laughs> relocating yeah. and promoting and investing in this person only to then. Uh, well, you know. it wasn't, it wasn't that personal. I mean, they cut entire teams. You, you have, to, if you were in this industry, I mean, they went from, million dollar months to billion dollar months in sales. That's how quickly that industry boomed. And then that's how quickly that industry dropped. Ah, yeah. Okay. So it, you know, big teams laid off, but it's still yeah. going to take it personal and then you got to come out of it. So how did you get yourself out of it? Well, I'm not quite sure. You know, I, as I mentioned, I had this chunk of money. I had this interest in alternative healthcare. I, I decided I would take on a certification of massage therapy and see if that was something that was in, of interest to me. I took it as an opportunity to explore another little area that I thought that is what I really wanted only to discover that 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 career wasn't a fit for me. So I started looking for a job and I just took what I could. I mean, I honestly just took what I could get and I worked. It was a little bit of starting over. It felt very much like starting over because, mm -hmm. you know, at least in the company where I had made some shifts in departments, people knew me, I had relationships, but now I was out in a brand new market. I had no connections, no relationships. Telecom wasn't hiring. And I just had to scrap my way around to see who would hire me. Yeah. But I did get into sales. I just had to take a what I considered a step back into inside sales types of role because I just didn't have a lot of experience on my resume. Well, and can you explain a little bit about what time frame this was, what decade? Because uh, that probably <laughs> context too. Well, what was going on in the economy? Yeah. Um, this was, well, this was, um, b before and after nine 11. Ah, so they had the timing of that. Not good. Right. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So you get in the new sales role and kind of how did things evolve from there? Well, they went swimmingly well. I mean, my skill set was there. I, I had the opportunity to prove myself. I went into a new industry and building materials. I helped build uh, their inside sales um, team, which was a new initiative for their organization. And as, an, as a result of that, I was able to, within a couple years, get promoted to uh, take on their number one sales territory in the Northeast. So I moved across the country again and landed out in the greater Boston area. Wow. So we're back to that. You being a five on the risk taking meter. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll tell you an interesting story. I love telling this story. I think that it was an empowering time for me. You know, my, then my husband, so we had ended up getting married during this time and this opportunity to move again presented itself. And we knew that going from the, we were in the Denver market, out to the Boston market was going to be a huge change in um, 
living expenses. So we really, I really need, and plus he was going to need to leave his job. So there was no financial security with what he would land when we got there. So I really needed to negotiate a, a great deal for myself, right? A really great deal. And, um, it's really interesting, Kathy, what you can do when you want something. <laughs> yeah, that's because that's, that's probably <laughs> one of the best deals I negotiated for myself, for sure. Well, yeah, because sometimes when you're just getting that first job out of college, you're just so excited to get that first job. You know, you kind of take what they offer, right? You don't yeah. say that, well, I need to negotiate that. Why, why? why I'm better. Right. But then yeah. you're, now you're in this point where, Oh, I have all these reasons why I need to negotiate. Huh? Interesting. Yeah. And what I've, I've learned and I would love to share with people is your, your best negotiating opportunity is typically when you go into a company, once you're in, it's really difficult. And I think that's continued to be true to really make large jumps in your salary or, you know, the income that, that the company is providing. So it was a really, um, kind of proud of myself moment when I was able to do that. Good for you. And I've, I've heard that too, that that's, you know, that your, your entry in is really uh, the most powerful place to, to do the negotiation. So, yep. Yeah. So listeners, that's big tip right there. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so things are going for you well. Now you're out in Boston. What's next? You know, I I got roughed up by the East Coasters. <laughs> the Midwesterners uh, were off. <laughs> the, the, the young young Midwestern lady had uh, some rough and tumble integrating into that East Coast, especially down in New York. I think I did pretty well in Boston. But, you know, what ended up happening is it was a it was a really stressful time for me i had a, some of the health challenges that i experienced um in my like early 20s during college crept back in and i was having a lot of health struggles i was having a lot of stress at work and um i crashed and burned honestly oh no yeah I'm sorry to hear that well, this is what it looks like to be a high performer that pushes yourself to the brink of, to the brink. Mm, yeah, because I you mentioned earlier about staying up all night working on the numbers and the and the deals. That's, anybody who knows anybody who has a, a finance career knows that that's just part of the game. Yeah, to close yeah. the books. Hmm. So you crash and burn. Did you then take some time off? Yeah, I actually had to quickly leave that job. I don't know that they really understood why, um, but I had at that time received a, a potential diagnosis from my family physician that I had lupus and I really needed to change my life. Yeah, so you have to hit the pause button and get healthy. Yeah, yep. And, you know, and I did, you know, it was not uh, my most, hmm, I don't know, like it's sometimes when you look back and you're like, I wish I d had done things differently, but I, I just didn't have the skill set to do so, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I just, I just exited that company. I exited that. Um, it was really a family. I, I felt like a family that really wanted to see me succeed. But I just, I mean, when you receive information that, you know, your life is forever changed and you have this 
now chronic illness that's going to impact every way, shape, or form, you know, you just kind of choose you and you and you get it done. Yeah. So maybe you would handle the the departure a little differently. Um, yeah, I mean, I gave my two weeks, I exited, but I, I think that they would have preferred that it was, you know, you know, let's find a win-win. Yeah. 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 Well, and I, depending on the company, the era, I mean, sometimes companies are very supportive of that mm-hmm. situation. Other times they aren't because they can't afford um, to have, you know, part-time, et-, et cetera. But others would be like, oh, well, let's, we'll bring in the part-timer to cover when you're not here. And yeah. 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 Um, but it sounds yeah, like and- you're healthy. I mean, you, you sound great now. Or is your health good now? Yeah. I mean, I went through some ups and downs and I mean, we could do hours just on, you know, health and well-being and such. I think that I don't have lupus. <laughs> I think that I have a really interesting experience of life where as a high performer, I have taken myself to the brink over and over again and have really learned the lesson, the powerful lesson in a really probably not very beautiful way that I I wouldn't recommend for anybody else, the importance of you and investing in you first and really understanding that the more you work on your inside power, and I mean that from a spiritual, mental, and physical level, the more you work on that and invest in that, the more powerfully you can not just lead yourself, but that you can lead others. And how that shows up in every walk of life. And um, like I said, I wouldn't wish my path for anybody else. But at the same time, for every dark side, there's a light. And the light of it is, is I know this in inside and out. I can see it coming for people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and it sounds like you, you ignored that power within specifically the physical. Because you were talking about that even in college. And then it comes back and it doesn't go anywhere. Right. Right. It might might, uh, recede for a bit or, or feel like it's uh, not there, but um, it will kind of find a way back. Oh, it always, when the universe wants to tap you on the shoulder, it will continue to do so until it's knocking you across the head saying, wake up. um, Something needs to be different. You're not on the path you need to be. You uh, obviously need to, Obviously, need a little bigger sign here than what I've <laughs> Well, you know, here's the thing, and I I did it again. I did it a couple more times, by the way. So I, that was not the end of the the story. There, I've done it a couple more times. But the thing is, is that if you if you stay within yourself, the intuition is there to tell you what you need to do. The challenges for high performers specifically, and that I can only speak to my experience, is that you're satiating yourself with all the external because you're feeling empty on the inside. And what you need to learn is that it's not the outside that'll satiate you. That's that you will be insatiable and you will run yourself to the ground or something else. Mine just happened to be my health. You need to work on filling yourself up from the inside out. So powerful. Wow. So, so how do you do that? How do you fill yourself up from, and how did you do that? I guess, since you said it took a couple more lessons. 
Yeah. I mean, I, so that you just heard my pattern. I completed that pattern one more time in corporate America. I exited corporate America and I started my own businesses, which were really successful in health and wellness. Yay. Yay. Um, but I, but I, I, I followed that pattern again. I followed it again until I finally figured it out. Like, Hey, you, you can be successful. Like that's not the, that's not the challenge here. You know? And I, the first thing you do is you have to look back and go, okay, what, let's get really curious about ourselves. What is it that's been working very, very well? What is it that keeps bringing you to these levels of success? Okay. Now let's look to the other side of it. What is it that's keeps hindering you? What are the activities or the decisions that keep stopping you that get you to this place? And that's how I've come to really begin to look at what's happening internally versus externally. Yeah. Because I have all the ex I had all the external skills I needed pretty much from the beginning. But I didn't I hadn't developed the internal strength, like going to the mental gym. I mean, just everything from like expressing your emotions effectively and constructively, um, learning how to not let others emotions and opinion affect me. Right. Yeah. Taking on their, their, taking on their crap, (laughs) you know, and, and, and there's, it, there's layers to this. It's like an onion. There's layers to peeling back and it's a, it's a little bit different shape and form for each individual, but I like to describe it as these little mechanisms that we put in place over time. And they're, they're very powerful and they do, they're doing a great job to keep us safe until, until, yeah. Yeah. You mentioned you made these two lists, you know, what was making you successful and then what was kind of taking you down a path of, of poor health and maybe not, not being so um, positive in your environment. What else did you do? I mean, were you reading books at this point? Were you, did you have a, a, a coach? Um, how, you know, you know, sometimes it's hard to self, self-regulate or self-recognize even how to get yourself out of that situation. Yeah, I would say I cannot offer someone one thing to do, you know, today that's going to peel that onion back. It was, it, or it is, not was, it is a lifetime commitment is what I have learned. So to get myself out of that, I mean, one focus on the task at hand, repairing the body, right? Yeah. Uh, Really looking at what you need to put in place or what are the triggers or what are the alarm bells that signal to you when you're starting to go back onto that path. I mean, these are the, these are the foundations of the house, but after that, Kathy, it's a matter of working with mentors. Like you said, you cannot see for yourself always working with mentors to really take a look back at 
you know, what are some of the mechanisms that I put into place, acknowledging those, taking personal responsibility for those things. And, and again, this is a life's work in the sense that once you're able to, I, I say for some of my clients, just get real and honest with yourself and take on that personal responsibility. Now it's time to learn the tools to fill yourself up. And, and, and really understand what is it that does that for you. So you can co start coming from a place of overflow versus lack. Yeah, because it's easy to be in the not enough or to be chasing something. Yeah, and that was really at the mm -hmm. root of it all, right? Like it, it was trying to fill myself up with other things, but that that came years <laughs> years after. First, it's the, you know, how do I need to take care of my body and what are the triggers and how can I train myself to see these triggers sooner and sooner and sooner? Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, I mean, they're so ingrained in your pattern. Uh, yes. It's easy to talk about them, but it's not so easy maybe to recognize them. And then they, you, you recognize one set of triggers, right? And then they pop up in another way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, by this time now, I'm not 20 something anymore. Yeah. I'm 40 something. Yeah. So like, you know, like that's, that's a, that's a, um, a long, uh, many years and a long journey of all the other things that happened to me in my life, you know, that all play a role because you know, what, what was hard for me to see is to really to see the root and to understand the root, because by the time you're 40 something, you've had, had a lot more, not just chronic illnesses, not just moving around the country, not just a lot of job change, not just starting businesses, but, you know, um, challenges in the family, losing a parent, you know, there's all sorts of things that happen to us in our lives that, that just kind of layer it on. And I, I just want to acknowledge that because it, it's not as simple as it sounds, but yet it can be simple too. But yeah, you know, yeah. simple does not mean easy. <laughs> no, no it and, and I think simple things can appear simple when you look backwards and you can kind of see what path mm -hmm. Or you can put all the data points together and then you start to see a pattern. But going forward many times, I think that is when you're a young person, right? You don't have as many data points. So you might go, yeah, I was having health issues, but it was because of X. Right, right. That period of time. And then you then wait a minute. Oh, wait a minute. I had that same health thing. Now it's a different time frame. You know, well, what triggered that? Yeah, you need more data points many times. You huh. do. And you have more things happening in your life. My last cycle of this that really opened my eyes, I, it was my first businesses and they were, tr I mean, they were doing so well, like on, you know, most people dream of this kind of success out of the gate, but my dad ended up getting sick and passing away. And this took an, a huge emotional toll on me. And so it was really, I, I couldn't see what really was the issue because now it's more um, gray, right? It's more gray and I can't quite really unpack what the real issue is. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's just like one example, but I, I do feel like it, 
it can be more and more difficult to see really the source and get to the source as we move along in our years. It's so funny because you think becoming more wise and it seems like the more wise I become, the more I realize I, I am a ultimate student. Ah, that, that you, you don't know as much as you thought you did or that you're just more curious or... No, that there's so much more to learn than I mm-hmm. thought. Yeah. <laughs> this is not quite as simple as it looks. Yeah. Yeah. So those businesses then, are you still running those businesses? And that's what kind of led you to what you're doing today? Or did you kind of take a pause from them and then start over? Yeah, I started over. over. So I um, built um, this health and wellness clinic model and ended up putting it up for sale and moving into a consulting coaching model for myself, primarily because one, I was exhausted, but two, when I really looked at it, instead of pushing pause, I said, I want to put these up for sale because I don't think that this is the best business model for me. You know, here I had developed a career where I worked all over the place. I had these you know, wanderlust tendencies and just a brick and mortar type of business model was felt really constricting. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, another just part of the journey is just learning what kind of, you know, what's going to be a good fit for you and knowing your personality. Yeah. Well, I'm getting the sense from you too, that you don't get attached to it doesn't seem like you get you know attached to something. A lot of times as a business owner, you start something and you're so attached. It's your baby. Oh but- my gosh. Well, uh, if you hear some interviews with me and I know that they're floating around out there, I was much more attached maybe five or seven years ago, right? Like it was mm-hmm. okay. a, an excruciating decision. It was it was my first business. It was blood, sweat, and tears. I didn't, I just like most people, I tiptoed into it. I didn't make any huge, huge, huge investments. I did it all on hustle. And it was, I, I mean, I was really attached to it. I remember going into um, my, men, I had a mentor at the time when things were really booming and they were like, you've got to let some of this go because I had created multiple locations and it was just um, too much to handle at that time without investing more resources. And I didn't want to invest more resources because I didn't have them. So any, anyways, I was very attached and it was the most difficult pivot probably I had to make because I was so attached, but that was such a great lesson in, in, and now you're right. When you hear me talk about things, you know, it's just, you know, you've got to take risks. If you, if you truly not talk to just a, you know, a solo business owner, somebody who's had one business, but if you talk to a true entrepreneur who has had multiple businesses, they will describe this to a T. They will have had their business baby. They will have had epic fails. They will have made tons of money, then lost all of it. It's just part of the journey. Yeah. Yep. And you know what? That's exactly what I've found through this podcast. <laughs> As yeah. I've interviewed the entrepreneurs and I've also interviewed the, um, you know, the corporate side, uh, the entrepreneurs, that has definitely uh, been a, a pattern or a set of experiences that, that tends to happen. Because and, you, and what, and then finding that right zone of where I'm in the right place now. Yeah. You know, you know 
entrepreneurship, I could have stayed, so I could have stayed a business owner and I'm still a baby entrepreneur when I really think about it, but I, I could have stayed in the first business I had. It was generating income. I could have invested more. I could have gotten it to where I wanted and figured it out, but it starts to become, if you're really willing to, owning a business is like holding up a mirror. It is a direct reflection. Now, life is a direct reflection. You can, you, you're having a mirror held up to you every day. The challenge in corporate America is that there's just so many um, checks and balances that for you to not take a closer look. But by the time you're out on your own trying to make it happen in your business or businesses, there is no way, there is no way you cannot see in the mirror. And that's why I believe so many businesses fail is because people, whether they use this language or not, they're looking in the mirror, taking a really good look in the mirror for the first time, and they do not want to see what they see and they run for the hills. Mm. And it is the true entrepreneurs, the ones who have multiple businesses, take multiple risks, who really grow beyond their first business, that are taking a look in the mirror every single day and saying, you know, what do I need to do next? Because they get onto a true path of the inside out, you know, self-awareness journey. And because of that, they cannot help themselves, but take the next level of risk. Because they're growing and expanding and they're, they're pushing themselves to do that. They sign up for it. Yeah. I'd not heard that analogy of using a mirror before. Uh, I like that. I mean, you really, you're getting me to think here because I, <laughs> I think about my entrepreneurial journey. Number one is I, I, I don't have the entrepreneurial DNA. Uh, when I think about people who just, you know, that was just their normal thing. I really, you know, I thought I excelled and navigated well through corporate uh, yeah. for that 25 years. And um, then when I decided to start this business, you know, it was for very kind of personal reasons or just different energy reasons, et cetera, different financial reasons as well. Um, but uh, uh, that mirror has been at the forefront I, at every turn. I can't tell you how many times there's, I've thought about, well, maybe I should go back and get a, uh, <laughs> it would be certainly easier than doing what I'm doing, but yeah. then again, it's not, you know, nothing's as easy as you think it is when you're, you know, the, you know, the grass is always greener. It really is. Yeah. The grass is not greener. You can, um, you know what? The hustle is the same. The challenges of life are the same. Would you rather do it making, you know, being your own boss and making your own money or doing it for someone else? And neither path is wrong, honestly. Mm-hmm you know, what is right for you at this time. Yeah. And it, and it does come down to a lot of timing and then also not being attached. Um, yeah. It, yeah. To, to either what I think an image of success is or attached to uh, financial or whatever. I mean, there's, you know, I think I've let go of a lot of attachments that I didn't even know I had uh, because that mirror was being held up. <laughs> now that That's you point right. out the mirror. <laughs> That's right. It's funny. It's like, you're looking at it every day. And I mean, that's, that's, you said one of the greatest lessons that I I've learned is you can, you, you definitely want to have your vision. You definitely want to know what success looks like for you right in this season, knowing that it might look different in your next season, but you want to have that clarity of what success looks like, what the vision is, 
And then you, all you need to do is start moving towards it one step at a time and not be attached to how it comes to you. It might not look and feel like you think. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I had a coach once that um, was asking me, well, what do I really want as I was going through some transition? Well, what do you want? Is it a role? Is it, and I said something about, well, I, you know, I just want to be, be happy. And she's like, well, how do you define happy? And I really had to sit down because she's like, if you can't define what it is, how will you know when you get there? And That's then you're right. just chasing this. I'm not happy. So therefore, what does that look like? So it was a very, and it's funny, the word happy is such a nebulous term in this example, but that's exactly, I think, how we do kind of go through life, right? Saying, well, what would make me happy? Is it, that's right. Is it a, you know, six figures? Is it a big bonus? Is it cars? Is it relationships? What is it? Um, yeah. And then success, I think you could put in that same model, right? Well, what does success look like? How do you define when you're there? I mean, I was trained, this really resonates, Kathy, because I was trained and I don't mean that in a bad way, but I just heard it over and over again. You know, success is you go to college, you get a great job, you make probably, you know, six figures is what was kind of implanted in me. And you get married and, you know, maybe have a family. For me, that was, I, I stopped the story there. But, you know, and I did that and I was like, well, F, you know, like I'm not happy. I feel overworked. I'm 25, 26, something, 30. Now, what do I do with my life? Who am I and what the hell do I want? Mm, yeah. And it hits us at different times. Sometimes it you're totally so busy, does. <laughs> you're so busy in your role, it doesn't hit you. And then all of a sudden, when you have that, you either get laid off or pause period or something happens and you step back and then it hits you. You're like, whoa. <laughs> well, I think a lot of people have family. So I, I chose not to have a family um, in the sense of children. And so I think that that accelerated my, my path a bit because that can be a great diversion, right? And you're very focused on the family and making yeah. choices for the whole family. And so I think it comes around a little bit later. That's what I've observed anyway in some of my clients and, and even friends. Yeah, because you're so immersed then in others um, and then others move out of the house and take off and you're left with, oh, now what's for me again? What is that thing, yeah. that, 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 that driving purpose and, uh, and vision? Well, Michelle, I feel like I could talk to you all afternoon. I have could go down this path. So <laughs> you probably need to start wrapping up. Um, so on that note, talk a little bit about um, what you think has served you best as you've navigated your career and where you are today. You know, honestly, what served me best is what is such a hot button and a passion for me right now, which I've talked about is that you have the power inside of you, okay? So you have the power inside of you. And what I mean by that and what has always served me well is my intuition. But there were so many times when I pushed it down, I didn't nurture it or I didn't listen to it. And you heard the stories about where I came knocking and roaring at my door to make me shift or wake up or pivot or all three of those things. So the more now that I cultivate myself from the inside out, and by that, I mean going to the mental gym, 
doing what I need to do um, spiritually, emotionally, and physically to remain strong within myself allows me to stand up straighter every day, feel more centered, less reactive, basically showing up as the human being that I want to be so that I can be a powerful force to lead others. And I I think that that is really the essence of um, what we tend to forget in our early years and throughout our journeys as a human, but what we're so desperately seeking is um, the power inside of us. Wow. That is, that's some, some great stuff. That's going to be hopefully as a listener, I know I'm sitting here taking this in that, that is really powerful. I mean, when you, when you first hear it, you might go, what? And yeah, (laughs) I've had those times where I didn't pay attention to what my intuition about a certain decision, but, um, it really is about who you're being versus what you're doing. Yeah. and you're focusing on who you're being and how can you be the most pow- powerful and probably positive influence that you want to be. That's, yeah, that's something. I guess I, I feel like that's an age thing too, that something I've come into. Yeah. Well, when you can, again, stop looking outside of you, search for what's within you and listen to that voice, right? Listen, going back to the beginning here, listen to that voice. That's the voice that wants to come out. That's the voice that wants to be amplified. And if I can model that for anybody, just one person, then I've done what I'm here to do. Yes, you have. And and thank you. Thank you for sharing that because you shared it in your way and that's going to resonate with someone and you just really don't know who needed to hear that today. So thank you. Thank you for sharing your story. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, I guess we will officially wrap up. I think that's a great spot to wrap up. And listeners, if you're enjoying these interviews and specifically enjoying today, please subscribe to the podcast so that you can hear other stories that are like Michelle's. Uh, If you have any questions for Michelle or want to get in touch with her, I'll post this interview on my website, lifestorycurator.com. Uh, but you can post questions there or, and I'll also post in her social media and ways that you can get in touch with her. Um, if you'd like to have help amplifying your voice. So on that note, thank you, Michelle and listeners, you have a great day and everybody let's stay safe out there. Take care. Thank you, Kathy. Bye.